Right. Um, today we're beginning a new series in 1 Thessalonians. Um, I'm having trouble with my thing. I think I need that tape stuff. Anyway, <coughs> and I've got new glasses, so I'm having to work out whether I can see. Um, and this will take us up to Christmas. So we're going to be in the book for a few weeks and then we've got an exciting Christmas program starting at the beginning of December. I think many of us are asking the question, what is church going to be as we, as we walk out of COVID, as we get used to living with COVID around us? What is church going to be? What is Open Door going to be? What are we going to do? And for those who were here last week, I remind you of Helen Lockwood's word at our last prayer um, week, when she just saw two pages, one of what God was writing for Open Door to do, and Open Door having a blank page. And God was looking to transfer what he wants us to do onto our page. And it's one of the reasons that the week of prayer is important. Because together, we have the mind of Christ. Together, we can hear from him. What have you written down for us that you want put on this page? So what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Well, we're going to do it as God prompts us. We're going to do it as he envis envisions individuals. Because one of the things I've learned is that if you have a person of vision running um, a project, whatever... They manage to motivate teams, and we're going to need teams of people. We're going, to we're going to need resources of both people and money. So what are we going to be? What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? Well, we're not going to do much until at least January. We can continue just to regather to be church. But <coughs> why look at the letter of 1 Thessalonians? Today... I want to lay a very broad foundation. Open Door has foundations that go down deep. Open Door has got good foundations. I just want to lay sort of a... Um, we, just, we just had our conservatory knocked down and they discovered the foundations weren't big enough for what we want to build on top of it, so they had to dig up the foundations. Then they discovered that the floor didn't really exist on anything, um, <coughs> which fortunately the builder had noticed. Oh, yes. That will solve everything. <coughs> and uh, yeah, then they discovered the floor didn't really exist on anything. Um, fortunately, the builder had guessed this and meant that we had to have a whole sort of about that thick from the floor up to there of concrete laid where we wanted our new floor. Um, fortunately, I said to him, I said, how much extra is this going to cost me? He said, to be honest, I stood on your floor and I thought, we're going to need a lot of concrete under this. <laughs> so he was good. So he'd already priced for it. So that was good. And uh, we want to just lay that today. And we're looking at the, the letter of Thessalonians because it's a church that is commended for a number of things. It is commended for its love for one another. It is commended for the way they experience the power of God. When Paul came and came to them, they saw amazing miracles and continued to see signs and wonders. 
They were a church that accepted God's word. They were willing to learn, but they said, hey, this is the word of God. This isn't some man-made scheme. This is God's word, and we must respond to it, and we must change our lives. And so they were a church who lived holy lives. They were willing to learn. They were envisioned and empowered for hard work, as we'll see in a minute. And they had a great, they had a voice that encouraged a whole region of churches. And I think one of the things that is on our heart is that we will be a church that encourages churches across Northamptonshire. We don't want to be a church on our own. We want to be a church that is part of the church of Northamptonshire, but also a church that brings encouragement to Northamptonshire and ultimately across the world. And I hope and pray that we will be inspired as we look at this letter to emulate this church. Thessalonica, it's in modern day Greece. And just to bring it completely up to date, it has just been voted Greece's hippiest city. Personally, having been voted the hippiest city, I sort of think maybe that was back in the 60s. <laughs> They got to catch up a little bit. But anyway, there you go. Um, <clears throat> how did the church begin? You can read in Acts chapter 17. When you read Acts chapter 17, you'll think that Paul was there just for three weeks. Actually, he was there for three weeks preaching in the synagogue, but he was probably there for another two and a half, three months. We know that because the church in Philippi twice sent him money so that he could continue his work in Thessalonica and uh, the church in Philippi it was at least a week's journey there, a week's journey back, week's journey there, week's journey back. So we know Paul was there longer than it appears. It began as Paul taught and preached the good news of Jesus. It began and was based on the word of God. Paul lived among the people in Thessalonians. When you read, he has tremendous love for them because they saw how he lived. They knew who he was. He spent time in their homes. He probably stayed with some of them. And there's a tremendous sense of life and community. <clears throat> and I would encourage us to continue to get into one another's homes. Now in this, I am going to say, do what I say, not what I do. Because, having had all these foundations laid, in our living room we now have our washing machine, our dishwasher and a new cooker. We have a lack of walls and windows, and we have a certain amount of building tools which, for those with children, you just wouldn't want your children playing with. So feel free to invite Leslie and I to your home, but we won't be inviting any of you to our home until this is all completed which is going to be a lot longer than one would hope. <coughs> so they were born in word, they were born in deeds, they lived among them, but they saw tremendous signs and power of God and wonders and miracles. That's how the church was born. So, let's read the first um, three verses of 1 Thessalonians. Paul, Silas and Timothy... To the church of the Thessalonians, 
In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to look at work produced by faith, labour prompted by love, and endurance inspired by the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, what is this work? Well, there seem to be three things. There's the work of preaching the gospel. Paul was inspired by their, their zeal and their passion to preach the gospel, to tell people all that Jesus had done for them, to tell the story of how he had changed them, how he how what it was to be forgiven, what it was to felt clean, what it was to feel guilt-free because everything had been taken by Jesus on the cross. And they worked at that, preaching the gospel. They did lots of good works. As you read through the letter, and I just encourage us to read through it, it takes um, anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes, depending on how fast you read. Um, just as an aside here, keep you interested. You know Kindle, the sort of things you can read on Kindle. On some of the books, it tells you how long it takes to read the book. I find this incredibly discouraging because I start with, this book will take three hours. After reading it for two weeks, you have five hours left in this book. So anyway, but it's worth reading 1 Thessalonians, you'll get the hang of uh, lots of these things. They, they, they did lots of good works. They had tremendous love for one another. They cared for one another. They made meals for one another, probably. They spoke to one another. They prayed for one another. They supported one another. They encouraged one another. They cared for those who needed caring for. Their other work was remaining faithful to Jesus as they suffered persecution. Probably loss of jobs, sometimes mocking by family, sometimes maybe even physical persecution. This work of preaching, of good works, of enduring persecution, was inspired by faith. Faith because they knew they had been changed. As Paul preached and they saw signs and wonders, they turned from their old way of life. They started a new life with Jesus. They laid aside some of their old ways of living, their um, old superstitions, their, their old <laughs> um, immoralities, their, their old um, social way of living. And they turned and started a new life. And they found that life to be full of joy, full of excitement. I hope that we find that. They turned from dead gods to a father who loved them and spoke to them and poured his love into their heart. And they thought, this is worth sharing. Other people should know about this. It was a faith in the promise of Jesus. 
that if you remain in me, you will produce fruit. As we walk with Jesus, we will produce fruit. It's quite exciting just going out with the youth. Leslie and I were praying yesterday and uh, the last couple of weeks. Our youth have had a pretty rough time over the last couple of years, coming and going. Um, And we've now got a room upstairs dedicated to them. But we're just praying, God, it would be really good just over the next two or three weeks if we could just sort of creep the numbers up towards 20. Well, there's over 20 of them have gone out today. God is, God is answering us. He's with us as a church. He's looking for blessing and encouragement to be upon us. And these guys work, produced by faith. They believe God would make me fruitful. If I share my faith, people will be saved. If I pray for people to be healed, they'll be healed. Perhaps not everyone, but we keep going, keep going. If I care for people, maybe people will care for me when I'm in need. A work produced by faith. And then Paul goes on and says, I continually thank you for your labour prompted by love. Now, I, I don't often do this because I'm not overly bright on this sort of thing, but the Greek here is two different words for work and labour just as the English is different for work and labour, but we probably hear them the same. This labour prompted by love, I would describe as second mile Christianity. Second mile Christianity. The work was just, that's what you do as a Christian. I'm a Christian, so I share my faith. I'm a Christian, so I care for people. I'm a Christian, so I live differently. That's just normal. This labour, prompted by love, is the second mile. I'll not only share my faith with those who I think might like to hear, I will push through and share it with those who even don't want to hear. But I know God loves them, and I love them enough for them to hear what they don't want to hear. I won't just care for the people that I I know and I like. I will look for opportunities to care for those who I don't know and dare I say it, I don't like. Maybe you like everybody and I commend you for it. I will stand here quite happily and say, I don't like everybody. That doesn't mean I mustn't love them. And I can care for people that I like easily. For the people I don't like, that is a labour. That's harder work. And that's what Paul is saying to these people. Your labour, prompted by love, is out of God's love for us that we love those around us. But sometimes it is hard work. A little bit of Dave Nunn philosophy here. When it comes to loving people, when it comes to running projects, when it comes to sort of serving, I think there are at least four motivations. The first is you do it out of guilt. 
<laughs> you feel that um, so I, I'm thinking of someone particular and I, I don't want I want to make sure that I don't mention who it is it's no one in this room it's no one any of you know it's nothing like that <coughs> but it would be very easy for me to feel if I didn't get them a Christmas present I would feel incredibly guilty so for the sake of not feeling guilty I will buy them a Christmas present and I'm doing it fundamentally out of guilt because then I'm going to be guilty now if a lot of what you do is out of guilt I'm pretty certain now you will already be feeling guilty because you're feeling you're not doing enough another motivation is out of need and there are people who do things because they see the need and none of these are, um, it's not wrong to, to respond out of need but when that is the only motivation you have you will also behind it have some other thoughts the first is why isn't everyone else doing this can't they see the need everybody should be doing this and I've worked in situations um, particularly um, among the homeless actually over, through my life where there are people that that just they see the need of the homeless and that is it and if you don't see the need if you if you're not there it's like why aren't you there can't you see you've got to do this you've got to do this because they're responding just to the need I remember walking down a Peckham High Street one Saturday morning and it had been an incredibly busy month and we'd met with another couple, Leslie and I, and we were just having a, a day out at Peckham High Street. We knew how to live. Anyway, we're going down to Peckham, Peckham High Street and there's this guy preaching. And you know, you know sometimes you get someone, people on the street and they're preaching and you're just thinking, God bless, how can I hide? <coughs> well, anyway, we made such a fuss of trying to hide that it was clear. So he came over and he said, you know, do you want to become a Christian? Well, actually, we are Christians. Well, come and join me. Well, actually, no, we're, we're having a day off. What do you mean a day off? You can't ever have, can't you see the need? Can't you see the need? So, yeah, I can see the need and I can see the need of a day off. He was so wrapped up in the need. The other is duty. And you feel, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, I know Jesus. I have a duty to tell people about Jesus. And that is true. But that duty can become the the primary motivation of everything that you do. I have a duty to be hospitable. So I will be hospitable. And I will be hospitable between the hours of 8 and 9.30. When 9.30 comes, I will stop being hospitable and I will encourage my, my, the people that I'm being hospitable to to go. If that involves getting into my pyjamas, I will do that. 
It's out of duty. It can be out of guilt, out of need, out of duty. But Paul says of these guys, your labour was prompted by love. By love. And love changes everything. Love means when you go to share the gospel with someone, when you go to tell them your story of what you know about Jesus, you tell it in a way that they can hear. I've been told how to become a Christian by so many people. And actually, I still wouldn't have known how to do it because it didn't communicate. But when you do it in love, you're looking, how can I tell my story in a way that will attract them, will inform them, will draw them to Jesus, will give a fuller explanation of who Jesus is? How can I love the people round about me? And this is a, a work, it's a labour. It can be hard work to love and to love and to love. And this church, they did the work by faith. They did the labour by love. And they endured by the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. The hope of eternal life, the hope of a kingdom being built, the hope of seeing people's lives change for the better by coming to know Jesus. The hope even of reward. And just read Matthew 5 to 7. Because in those passages, there's an amazing number of times Jesus says that God will reward us. And we don't do things for the reward. But it is, you know, we planted some uh, green beans in our garden, which meant going to a shop, which is always boring buying some green beans taking them from the shop to the garden digging the garden planting them putting the frame in having a small discussion about what shape the frame should be <coughs> both of us had different opinions I won <laughs> why did we do that? because we wanted to reap the reward of eating fresh green beans. And we got that reward. Jesus says, if you give a cup of water to one of mine, you'll get a reward. He says, if you pray in secret, you will be rewarded. These guys endured And sometimes it is. It's a work, it's a labour. It's about enduring, keeping going. But they did it in hope. As we go forward as Open Door, we want to be a church that is built on the Word of God. We hear the Bible, we put it into practice. We ask one another, how do we do it? How can we put it into practice? We want to be a church that is built 
on our joint lives together. We want to be in and out of each other's lives, knowing what each other does. In and out of each other's homes. In our life groups, praying for what we really need to pray for, not what we think they need to hear we need prayer for. We want to be a church like the Thessalonians built on signs and wonders. That presence of God that produces miracles. That presence of God that when people come into the building they say, this is really different. Presence of God that makes people feel so guilty. They cry out, please forgive me. And they receive that forgiveness. We want to be a church built on the word of God, our lives together, signs and wonders. We want to be a church that is motivated by faith, by love, and by hope. That's the broad foundation of what we want to be. Word of God, lives together, signs and wonders, motivated by faith, love, and hope. And as we go through Thessalonians, we're going to let their example sink into our lives. It will change us, it will mature us, it will encourage us, and it will motivate us to be all that God wants, open door to be. Amen.